Hello, everybody. It's Cindy Novotny, and welcome to my podcast on My Secrets to Stamina. I talk all the time about balance and what defines your balance. If you're new to my podcast, I will share with you how I live the life I want to live. I also help people see how they can live their life because I am a radical mentor. I interview a lot of fun, different people from all kinds of backgrounds and all kinds of businesses. And that is how I think I bring a bit of joy by helping people feel good about who they are now and who they want to be in the future. So again, if you've been with me before, welcome back. If not, welcome to a great journey. So today I am going to introduce a wonderful young rising star, as we call JJ. Uh, And I'm going to let JJ say her own last name because (laughs) honestly, it's such a great name, but I mean, I have a trouble. I've already, I already said it the other day with Colin Cowie. So now, now you're famous uh, on Colin Cowie's uh, podcast as well. But I will tell you, uh, my husband first met her there on the board with HSMAI. Uh, she is what they call a rising star in the hospitality industry. And you know, all of you know how I love the youth and young. And so, you know, it's not like she's that young. She's married and has a baby, but she's young compared to some of us that have been in the business a long time. But her determination, her focus, her grit, this is why I wanted to have her on my podcast. So as I said, Lefty had the opportunity to work with her on this board of rising stars for the sales leader council for HSMAI for the past two years. So when I was speaking this fall at an HSMAI conference, he pointed her out right away to me and said, she's one you want to focus on. She's the type that gets it. She is the future of this industry. And I'm always looking for those people, both for our clients in the hospitality industry and for my own company. I've always got my eye out for the shining stars. She is not your uh, typical younger generation sales leader, as far as I'm concerned, just talking to her. She's different. She's committed to being absolutely the best. She sits on the board of HSMAI DC chapter, as well as the board of the customer experience program at the University of Richmond. I'm going to let her tell you all about it. So I love a fiery girl and I love somebody with determination like JJ. So welcome, JJ, and tell everyone your entire name. Thank you, Cindy. You're very sweet, and I'm very honored to be here today and a little nervous, so if you hear me buffer a little bit, I'm just thinking about my response because I wanted to be the best one today for you. You'll be just, you you just be you, and you'll be great. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, My name is JJ Abuhawa. I currently sit on a property in Northern Virginia. I'm the assistant director of sales and marketing there. Our team is currently eight. It's had its highs and lows over the past year, but that's my current role and title. And what's the name of the hotel? The oh, Hyatt? So it's, correct. It's the Hyatt Regency in Dulles. Yes. Perfect. And I think you're part of HEI, right? I am. HEI Hotels and Resorts is my management company and I love them. Yes. And we have done work with them in the past. So hopefully some of those executives with HEI will listen and go, Hey, we got to get, we got to get Cindy and that team back. Oh, definitely. So tell me a little bit about yourself, your, your family, your, your daughter, uh, husband, uh, how you got from, you know, wherever you were to where you are today. Yeah, definitely. It's not the typical story. I have seven years in the hotel industry. I didn't go to college, so I have a high school diploma. I did do some college. I had 21 credits away from graduation, and then I got my role as a sales coordinator 
And within a year, I got promoted. I was still going to school at that time. And within a year, I got promoted to a BTSM. I had a $3 million sales quota, and I decided that the money was good. Um, my student loans were racking up, and I already got the job that I wanted, so why not? And so I left school in the wayside. And to back up even further, I didn't go back to school until I was 24. So right out of high school, I landed a job at a retail store. And with the recession that hit, I believe it was like 2008 or 2009, my role was eliminated. And that's when I decided that I could either come out of this recession with an education and debt or just debt, no education. So that's when I decided to go back to school got all the way up to the 21 credits and landed a job. Um, Funny story. I was working at Starbucks. There was a woman at the counter. She would come in every single day and order her happy hour. I'm doing uh, air quotes there because she'd get her (laughs) cappuccino. She was like in her seventies and she, I would be on the bar making the drinks and I always operate under the pretense that you never know who you're talking to. And this woman, Pat, I love her to death. I still talk to her today. She she would just sit there and talk and nobody really wanted to just talk to her and work. And I would work and talk to her and I knew how to do both at the same time productively. And one day um, after a couple of years, I was going to school, I was working two jobs, still finding at that point somehow to go to the gym. And I said, Pat, I'm tired. I'm tired of being on my feet. I feel like I'm doing everything I can possibly do to get the job that I want. I'm tired. And she's like, oh, well, my daughter works in the hospitality industry. She's a director of catering events. Why don't I reach out to her and see if there's anything in hotels you could do? I didn't even know hotels had a sales team at that point. I knew nothing about hotels. And I said, sure. And so while I was working and now looking back on it and how unique the experience was, I like people in the industry don't often do this. So Donna was her daughter. She said, Hey, I have this huge event coming up. Why don't you come to the hotel? You can watch me set up. You can see what it's all about and let me know what you think. And then we can go from there. So after work, I would go to the hotel and I would watch her set up for these big events. It's like 30, it was actually 45,000 square feet of meeting space. And she just rocked it. And I would help set up the tables and whatever she needed me to do. And then finally, one day she called me like, maybe a month after that point of shadowing her um, and helping complimentary. She said, we have a sales coordinator role opening. And I always believe in this industry to trust, trust the path. Even the decisions I was scared to make the road less traveled out of it all. Um, the moments where I'm regretted, maybe the decision I took, but it ended up in hindsight being the right one. Um, trust your gut, but I'll get to that later. They had a sales coordinator position open and a girl that I worked with at Starbucks heard about this conversation because it was happening in person at the store, went and applied for it. We both ended up interviewing. They hired her. Okay. That was a punch in the gut, right? Wow. Um, Yeah. Because she had a little more office experience at that point than I did. Donna was so upset and she's like, okay, there's another coordinator position open at this Hyatt hotel. Let me refer you there. And I went and interviewed, sorry, it was actually for a sales manager position. I went and interviewed with like six different people. Um, They came back and said, we don't think you're ready for this role, but we have a sales coordinator role. Why don't you take this? And that's how I landed my first hotel job. And I owned it. I mean, I was doing a two hour commute at that point to get to the hotel. I just gave it my all. It was the opportunity that I was waiting for and I wasn't going to let it go. And within a year, two positions opened up on the team of, it was a team of like 11 or 12. Um, 
a catering manager position and a business travel sales manager position. And I knew in my gut, I was a BT all the way. I love the analytics of it, the reporting. I love um, watching the numbers grow. And it was kind of unheard of to hire somebody that has no experience in BT and then give them the highest quota out of the entire sales team, which was the 3 million goal. Like everybody else on the team had maybe 1 million, give or take. And and they trusted me. And my argument when I went to the GM was the BT has already been out for a month. I've been answering her clients' calls. I've been learning the systems. I've been already, the clients know my name. I've already been doing everything that the previous BT was doing. Trust me, I'll do it. And so they gave me the position and I met and exceeded my goal every single year that I was there. And so most of my career was in BT. And I knew that I wanted to grow into a director level. I knew I wanted to manage a team as I started to learn and grow within the the hotel sales industry. And uh, through some great advice and mentorship, I decided to make a jump um, to a ADOS position, assistant director of sales position at a Hyatt Regency, which was a bigger hotel than what I was at. And I got there and I was not happy with the hotel and the operations. And I, I always joked that that hotel was built on like a a cemetery or something haunted. It was just doomed. We always like, have, we always say that when things are go haywire, it's like, wow, this was definitely built on like some land that it shouldn't have been built on. Yeah, for sure. It was such high turnover. The clients were just, I went in there just like guns a blazing, ready to like turn the office around and, you know, do all that. And the clients were just so tired of new people reaching out to them and that to any company, no matter the industry is a detriment. I mean, if on the sales side, your clients are going to get tired of talking to new people. Where's the trust? Where's right. the loyalty? How do you build that? And, um, Six months in, they lost within one year. This property had three management changes. That's how bad it was. Yeah. And one of the VPs of the current management company that I was under wanted to take me to a new property. And part of me was kind of like, let me just stay and see if it gets better. And I trusted my gut. I went with the VP. I said, okay, where are you going to put me? There's no properties in this area. I can't be too far from home. And she's like, well, there's this one property. Well, there's already an ADOS there. And she's like, well, now there's two. And that's unheard of in the industry, really. To have right. Um, and then I, I was, by the grace of God, paired with another ADOS that was graceful and compassionate. And we became yin and yang. It could have been a very volatile situation. And my strengths were her weaknesses and her strengths were my weaknesses. And she cross-trained me on group, um, which was another point too, when I was interviewing and I ended up at this Hyatt Regency, I interviewed at a ton of DC hotels, a ton of opening hotels, hotels being built from the ground up. And everybody kept telling me, you only have BT experience. You don't have opening hotel experience. You don't have DC experience. And I, you never let a team and, and I wouldn't get the call back. I'd go through multiple interviews, you know, and I'd see that I get to a certain point in these interviews and it would always be my, my experience that would hold me back. And so I like to operate as a leader. I look for the people like me that are coming up. I look for the tenacity. I look for the fire in the belly. That's what everybody always used to say to me. You have the fire in your belly and, and give people the chance that wouldn't normally have the chance. Um, Some of my mentors that I was taken under their wing, operated like that. And that's the only reason why I'm at where I'm at. So I'm truly going to pay that forward in my career. That's, you know, there's a couple of things you said that I'm going to come back to. 
One, first of all, you got your first stab in the back by a coworker who was sitting next to you eavesdropping. And I'd love, we won't mention her name or anything, but I'd love to know where she is today. Because some of those people just simply, they don't really ever do well, right? Yeah, she's living with her mother and sorry hotels anymore. Uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So sorry, we're not sorry. But I mean, this is yeah. that was a huge one because I learned that at a very young age as well. And I think that my fire in my belly and my tenacity like yours um, was based on some of those people that did things like that. And so the good news is you learned that at a young age so that you could go, yeah, that's not happening again. You know, from now on, you won't be sharing that, you know, what you're doing to the neighbor next door because you, they might do something. And then it takes a little bit of your shine of trust away, but not mm-hmm. too much. Right. The other thing that, um, I really resonates with me is that it, you didn't go to college and it doesn't really matter. And I think this is very important. Okay. Uh, to, in today's world, and let's just, there's, there's a few things in today's world. I, uh, you can go to the most expensive hotel school, you can graduate. And who says that you're going to be any better than you are JJ at what you're doing. So I, for people listening, I think this is very important because I think young people today think that going to college is the only way, but the point is you, it's a school of hard knocks. It's a school of the way up. It's a school of learning how to do it. And that I really applaud you for, because it's like you said, you know, there could be a time that you go, you know what? I have the luxury of maybe going back to school and taking some courses or learning something, but you can do that. And all the things you're doing in these boards, and we'll get back to that at the, you know, University of Richmond as well, that gives you insight. And so I think that's important. Um, For our listeners that don't know the hotel industry as much, she's been talking about BT, that's business travel. And so the other, that's all right, because we have all kinds of people listening. But the one thing that I want to also bring out is why you're going to pay it forward. How many times do you interview for a job? And it's like, well, you don't have any experience. Okay. So you're going to hire this person over here who's marginal, who probably had experience. It wasn't even that good. And I actually made a $3 million goal and made it. And uh, that's not easy. And so getting the group experience. Okay, fine. But as I've always said, and you've heard me speak now, and you've listened to me, uh, business travel is just a bunch of people together at the same time for a group. Okay. It's like, oh, I'm in social catering. I don't do weddings. I, I only do social. Oh, I only do social, not corporate. Oh, the only difference is a wedding cake. Not that big of a difference. Right. So I think what COVID did was took all that and threw it out. It's just like working from home. You know, prior to COVID, if a sales manager that just had a baby said, I'd love to work from home, you know, a few days a week, it'd be like, "Mm, can't do that. No, no, absolutely not. Now it's like, oh, that's fine right? So I think that you were able to ride this wave through the financial crisis of 2008, through everything that you went through with different management companies and hotels that aren't always that great to landing. And when you said, you know, oh, I, I love, you know, um, HEI, I love my, the, the management company I work for in the hotel that shows, uh, shows a lot about who you are. So when I met you uh, at the HSMAI conference, what really impressed me was I heard that, you know, your hotel didn't have the budget to send you to this conference, which I get, because right now, if they're going to send you anywhere, they might have sent you to more of a, a customer type of engagement versus just being out with peers, right? But you knew it was valuable to you. It was important to you. You're on the board, the rising stars. So you said, not a problem, I'll drive. And it was like an eight hour drive. So 
that shows me a lot of commitment. But tell me, like, what did your boss say? Okay, really? Like, how did that all go down? So (laughs) it was a long drive. I binged your podcast. (laughs) I binged a lot of podcasts. I'm a real big podcast listener. Um, I, it was my first face-to-face event with HSMAI. I love HSMAI. HSMAI has paralleled my entire career, um, which has really helped me on the education side for the industry. They have a lot of great educational content. Um, I volunteered for three years just doing RegJet desk just to get my membership fee waived and attend the educational seminars complimentary. Um, from that point, the managing director was like, okay, this girl's sticking around and let me trust her with some more stuff. And I started to grow within the association. So as long as I've been in hotels, I've been with HSMAI. Um, it's near and dear to my heart. So Rising sales leader in particular was the reason why I was at this conference and the reason why it was so important to me. Um, Most of the content covered there, while it was amazing content, it was um, aimed at an audience that's above my pay grade. Although I will say one thing I took from the conference that I implemented as soon as I got home, Cindy was from you, and that was the whole passing around the leads on the phone. If you pick up the phone, you take it to contract. It doesn't matter what you sell. So we we did that ASAP and yeah, it's been going well, but um, to dive in deeper on that, there's HSMAI. HSMAI created something called the Rising Sales Leader Council. They launched it right before COVID, so in 2020, and I was part of that, um, I guess you could say, beta test group. So we launched, we had about two months, and then COVID hit. Um, everybody kind of dropped like flies, and a small niche of people stuck it through through 2020. Um, it helped me get through the year. So part of my story is our property um, went from 150 plus employees down to 13. And on the sales team, we went from about 11 or 12 down to two. And while it could have been seen, my perspective could have been, these calls are too much. I don't have the time. I took it as this is still an opportunity that I wanted to do pre pandemic. And as I, and I learned that I would get out of it, what I put into it. And by joining the calls, it became more of like a support group through 2020, but it was also an insight to nationwide because it's a nationwide council, what other properties are seeing in their areas and how are they handling things and how are they approaching their clients on certain topics or getting ahead of certain conversations before the client reaches out, stuff like that. And so usually that council is supposed to be one year long. And since the anomaly was the pandemic, um, the HSMAI team asked us to, some members to come back that were interested in doing it for 2021. And so I had two years on this council, which is a unique opportunity. And the second year through 2021, we dove in deep into content. My particular work group published over four articles. No other work group did that. Um, There were systems that I helped implement as like a grandfathered in from the 2020. And when we were just trying to figure it out, and I think that helped our team kind of push forward. And I say team, right? It wasn't just a work group. I feel like we were all helping each other. Um, And I truly got so much more out of it than what I put into it. So all that led up to this conference, right? And I had written, I knew I I was anticipating that funds weren't going to get approved. And HSMAI was given this grant halfway through 2021 by an anonymous donor. And they sent out an email and they said, you know, we're going to use this grant to help cover fees. So fill out this application, write us a reason why, you know, to 
overall to the general audience of HSMEI, tell us why you should get this grant and um, pick what you want covered. And I was like, this conference, I want this conference and this is why. And I didn't get the grant awarded to me the first round. So I got the rejection email and I was like, okay. And I was kind of planning to like close on this really big contract for the hotel and then ask for it to be covered. <laughs> that was the best my, way. Yeah, that was my second strategy. I was like, okay, let me close on this massive yeah. contract. That contract ended up canceling due to COVID concerns. The, the program went virtual for the um, time frame that it was looking at. And so all hopes was lost, right? And I was like, how else is this going to happen? And then I found out that there was a second wave of grants going out and I reached out and just kind of kept going after it. And then finally they're like, okay, JJ, you got it. You got the grant that covered my conference fee only. I went to my leadership who has supported my involvement in this association 100% and, uh, proposed to them, you know, what the fees were going to be. And in a month, it was very hard for us. I knew we were falling short on, and they said they could cover a portion of it, but most of it would be out of pocket for me. And I appreciated what they did extend to cover. And so I just talked to my husband and I said, this is going to be coming out of pocket. Can you cover the mortgage yourself next month? And um, I'm going to do this. And he's like, okay. Um, And so that's how that came about. And I love it. Yeah, I made it down there and it was it was so worth it. Oh, and you know, again, this says so much about the fabric of who you are. And this is what I want people to hear. I want people to know that, you know, again, it's not like, oh, I got my master's and my PhD and I'm this and that. You know, it takes people with honestly a fire in their belly. And that's what people have always said about you. And, and they've said that about me and I, and that's what got me to where I am. It doesn't matter how much school and where you went. And it matters that you have the tenacity to do that. So let's talk, you handle all markets now because you're ADOS, but um, any real changes or what are you seeing in market segments, which market segments, uh, you know, especially in the DC market are doing well, which ones aren't, what are you, what are you seeing as it relates to kind of what's going on? So I oversee most of the team on the selling side, the group selling side reports to me. So that's what I mean by managing all market segments. Through 2020, I sold everything, including weddings, which I never want to sell another wedding again in my life if I can help it. I didn't even like planning my own wedding. I know that's what a lot of people, and once <laughs> once you've gone over to the group side, it's like, I don't want to go back there unless you're like a wedding planner, right? Yeah, yeah no, we, we do have a team of eight now. Um, me particularly, I'm, I'm more focused on association, nonprofit, corporate, large market, and then we do vertical um, assignments of like Helms Briscoe. I also manage Helms Briscoe. Um, I'm trying to think, is there anything merits travel? So it doesn't, even if it is a wedding and it comes through there, I would manage it. Right. Um, I, and let me just say, I do love those vertical markets because it, it makes it so you don't get rusty on anything. It exactly. makes it so that you don't get like, you know, I just sell kind of what you're talking about. I just sell government. I just sell social. If you deploy vertical markets, it makes it so that you have to keep up on your game on all selling avenues. What am I seeing now? Well, as of yesterday with the new variant, dun, 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 dun. (laughs) I, I haven't seen anything yet, but I'm anticipating some conversations about fear Fear is really leading the decision-making process right now. It still is. Uh, Fear is. And then I've seen corporate come back. The corporate RFP comes in waves, but they're sourcing for later Q2 
three Q four of twenty twenty two. Right. Um, association nonprofits really strong for twenty three and beyond. Just trying to layer their stuff in. We, I think. I say we, but I just mean the industry as a whole with that type of business, that whole shift from 2020, shifting that business to 2021, and then shifting it to 2022 again, in some cases, it's just throwing everything off kilter. Any sort of of historical data that you used to do your daily business reviews off of, just, yeah, throw it out the window. DVR, DVR, forget it. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. What was, I? you know, you think about top line and all of that, and it's like, uh, it doesn't really matter at this point. It's a wild, wild west. Yeah. Heads and beds is the name of the game right now. Even on the transients, the, the business travel sales manager reports to me as well. And, um, and she, she came back, she, she was not working through the pandemic and she came back with the mentality of we're going to yield and we're going to do, you know, get the premium. And I was like, Oh, I love that. But let's save that for a little bit further down the road right now. It's just heads and beds on the BT uh, business transient side, more trends that I'm seeing. I'm, I mean, we did 36 weddings last year. Weddings are still it's going strong. Huge. Well, weddings saved, uh, saved. I think a lot of the, especially the big hotels, because it was that nobody. You can't stop love. You can't yeah. stop romance. You can't stop. People are like, I, I want to get married. They postponed it for a while, but then it was like, I'm done with this. Right. And now, you know, because I work with so many wedding planners and so many of the luxury event planners now, you know, Tuesday's the new Saturday. Like people don't Mm -hmm. care. Like whoever said you're supposed to be married on a Saturday. I mean, that's so passe. I mean, now getting married on a Tuesday is just as fun. Right. We have a Monday wedding coming this week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Um, I want to ask you about uh, the University um, of Richmond and mm -hmm. a little bit about that. That program is interesting, that customer experience program. So talk a little bit about that. Uh, So my role in the, well, how I first, I found out about it because I saw the opportunity posted on LinkedIn. Which is another great thing. You're a (laughs) go-getter all over LinkedIn. Yes. Um, I like to do prospecting through LinkedIn too, but uh, I use some different tactics than um, I'll, I'll stay focused. Cindy, I'll stay focused. on. That's fine. Did, was there a good tactic <laughs> you want to share with people on LinkedIn? I'd love to hear it. Well, so essentially finding the right person is the most important thing. And then when you reach out, um, kind of creating an algorithm behind it. So you friend request and you do maybe a little message that gives you like a hundred characters that you can put in and just say, Hey, I'm looking to connect on LinkedIn. Um, once you connect, you start posting so that they see your name, there's familiarity behind it. And they, so that when you reach out again, they may not have had a conversation with you, but your name's familiar. So at least they'll entertain opening it, but they may not read it. They may delete it. And you just kind of keep with that pattern of populating your name, populating your name, creating familiarity through posts. And then when you reach out, it'll be entertained more likely, but you want to make sure that the audience that you're reaching out to is the right person. Um, exactly. You're doing that, so. And I couldn't agree more. And that's exactly in all of our classes we teach on LinkedIn, we do the same thing. It's all about traction and getting yourself, uh, you know, getting yourself really out there and seen and heard. So that's good. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. so you reached out on LinkedIn <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so I, it was an opportunity to be a part of the CX program, which is the customer experience, not to be confused with um, what it, what's the term that everybody always says customer. There's a term that I'll, it'll come to me, but customer experience is 
with the University of Richmond is basically building your marketing plans around your customer profiles. Right. How do you create your customer profiles and how does it relate to different industries? So the board, I made the board and the board is an eclectic group of people. Um, I believe there's only two other hoteliers within that group. There's a lot of um, other corporate America in there, a lot of, which is um, great, great networking right there. It is, it is, which was also part of the, the reason I reached out. And um, it was really educational for me. It's something that I was not familiar with until I started doing it. Um, I do have to take the course myself. Um, So as we're taking the course, a huge part of my role on the board is testing educational content and giving feedback on that content, how the site is built, do the questions apply? How do they apply to my industry? What could be done different, better? And so that's my role on the board. Um, it's kind of similar to my role with HSMAI too, because I'm on the educational, um, I keep saying task force, but now I've made board. So um, where we're creating educational content and programs. Which is great. And I think that that really elevates you in the industry and in your role and even with the hotel, you know, that you've been working at, that you work for at the same time. So as we start to wrap up, I've got two more things. One is uh, during the pandemic, you obviously, as you said, had to run with like 12, 13 people. How do you feel that this really did make you a better leader? As awful as it was for all of us, what did it do to help make you a better leader? There, there was two things when I first became an ADOS, I had two mentors, um, two close friends. And something that I always say to them was, I'm scared of managing people. I, there's nothing sales side that scares on the sales side that scares me, but I'm scared of just people's different personalities, how to lead that, how to problem solve and do all that. And then on the client side, not being able to run to a director and say, oh, help me with this tough conversation with this client. There's not a conversation now that I'm scared to have. I can read a 62 page contract and find the needle in the haystack. I can have any conversation with any client. Something just popped into my head. My dad being tactful in your conversations, having it be productive, even if it is, you know, somebody's upset and it's emotionally driven. And my dad always says, um, tactfulness is the art of telling somebody to go F themselves and have them say thank you at the end of it. That is and- <laughs> it's my, my favorite way of living life. My favorite. Yeah. I love your yeah. dad. I love your dad. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And that would be the biggest thing. Also managing people. I, as the team grew and doing that interview process, um, interviewing is not something as a rising sales leader, nobody teaches you how to interview. I mean, there's like high level stuff, but I didn't trust my gut with hiring people. And now with the team being built of eight, and also I had my director, I'm the assistant director. So learning a lot from her in the process and what she looks for, that's not as scary, but I learned that being a leader and my biggest fear with managing people, I, it all dwindled away when I saw how much they trusted me and came to me and knew that I would help them and uplift them. And since I was naturally doing that, because that's how I want to pay it forward, I realized I am managing a team. I am leading a team and, and it all kind of happened and my fear just kind of washed away And so I'm ready for the next step. And I love it. I love it. So because I'm all about stamina and energy and and living a a crazy uh, 
unbalanced life, but I, I still have my own way of balance. You have, you're busy. You're a mom, you're a wife, your daughter, you're probably aunts and friends and all these things in your life. And you manage people and you're on different boards. What do you do to keep up your stamina and energy? Well, first of all, I live off calendar invites. I actually send my husband calendar invites for everything. That's how we communicate. Um, that works. He, that works. Yeah. If, if I miss something, it's because he didn't send me a calendar invite and then it's not my fault. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, I love a good spa. Check out King Spa. There's one in Chicago. They just built one in Virginia near my house. And I feel like it was just like God coming down and putting a spa. Oh, wow. Around. King's King's Spa. King Spa. It's wow. a, um, like a Korean bathhouse is the best I can describe oh, it. I love a good Korean bathhouse. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you do have to be comfortable in your own skin in certain yes. sessions and walk <laughs> around with no clothes on, but that's good. Yeah. They give you a little towel. That's like, yeah, like this nice. big. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do. I do believe in self-care in that regard, taking a day or, you know, six hours out of a day, going to a spa. I love Starbucks and coffee and starting the morning off right um, with, you know, a good breakfast. And um, I also believe in asking for help when you need it. That's something I learned through the pandemic. I ended up hiring a housekeeper. She only comes every two weeks, um, but it's enough where I don't, I haven't had to clean a toilet in a year. Yeah. And that's yeah. been a game changer. <laughs> but asking for help when you need it. And so that you can focus your energy on other things. Um, what else? Well, that's good. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I, I agree with you that you can have it all. You can have a wonderful family and you can work and you can have this great life. And that's why, you know, my book living without balance and loving it. And my secrets to stamina, my book that's uh, in its final stages. And we got to get that out is all about exactly that. Do what you've got to do to give you that energy. So I really honestly appreciate all your time, uh, your stories. You make me laugh. I think it's it's so much fun. And I want everybody to remember that we will be back with another incredible podcast. Uh, I will be interviewing another special guest or this next one, maybe me going solo again. We're kind of tossing that around. So with that, thank you so much, JJ. And uh, until next time. Thank you, Cindy.